0: Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of the Tarot Coloring Book and the co-author of Tarot for Troubled Times. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 139 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's topic, uh, we're talking about color and costume in tarot, and I have a very special guest, my friend, Dina Barron. Welcome, Dina. Thanks, Teresa happy to be here well i'm happy that you suggest this topic because i think this is a very interesting one and you know tarot has so much symbolism we're always looking at things like you know the dogs in the um the moon or we're looking at the baby on the sun but you know sometimes we forget there's other symbolism in there um like the colors and the the things people are wearing these have meaning too so um Let's start out by talking about colors. How do the colors in the cards influence our interpretations, in your opinion?
1: Well, first of all, I feel as though, I teach a lot of classes that are very basic and very entry-level, and everyone in the world can relate to color. Everyone has colors they love, colors that draw themselves to them, colors that they're like, oh, I just never liked that color kind of thing. So Most people, whenever you start a reading, can relate to the color. So, to me, when I lay out cards to do a reading, one of the many things that I look for is any theme in color. Am I seeing a lot of yellow? Am I seeing a lot of red? Like, what is coming up again and again? And for me, I have specific meanings for that, but I also try to include my client in it and be like, well, what does this color mean to you? Because a lot of times you can dig a little deeper and get a little bit of insight that you didn't expect. So, I find it to be so unbelievably helpful and interesting. And I'm more than happy to go into colors and tell you what they mean and how they, you know, really pull out extra depth and meaning
0: out of the cards. Well, I I find what you said very fascinating about, you know, colors mean different things to different people too, but there's some really universal things that colors mean. So I'd love it if you would give me, my audience, some information on maybe some of the colors in the deck, what you what you feel they mean. Sure,
1: sure. Well, you know, one of the colors that jumps out to me the most is yellow. And yellow, and it's funny because I was just talking to you before how both of us, turns out, pulled the sun card today, which is so very vibrant and yellow. And I mean, how do you feel in the sun? You feel warm, you feel taken care of, you feel, you know, bright and light and happy. And the sun is about intellect and confidence and clarity. And I just feel like it just brightens up everything around it. It helps you really, it's almost like that camera lens really coming into focus. When there's a lot of yellow, I say, there's definitely gonna be a lot of focus and clarity happening here.
0: Yeah, that's a great example. What about red? I mean, red is something, we're talking about the sun, the sun also has the, in, and we're talking about the of Way smith deck, by the way, for people who are listening, but the sun is that big swath of that red banner. What about that?
1: Yeah, well, red is about passion. Red is life force and energy and will and desire and passion. I mean, I feel as though it's also courage and and action. It's your initiative. So I feel mm-hmm. as though when red shows up, and especially like, for example, in um, like, the Two of Wands or in the Seven of Swords, the the hats, like if a hat is red, like in also the Two of Pentacles, like that big, funny looking red hat, I feel like it's almost like a bicycle of the mind, like your wheels are turning and things are happening and you're ready to prepare for action. So
0: Ooh. red is awesome. I love that you went right there to the hats because we're going to come back to hats in a moment. Um, but I love that. What about... um Let's talk about blue, like the blue and the high priestess. What does that convey? Uh, well, first of all, truth.
1: She's very, also very calm. It's very spiritual. Uh, blue is peace, serenity. Um, it could be fidelity. It could be a little bit of, um, you know, th- the high priestesses have a little bit of a spiritual nature. So it could be, you know, a reference to something heavenly, but it could also be a little bit cold. It could also be a little bit removed, a little bit arm's length. So I do like to look at what the shade of blue is, and also what is else is happening
0: within the card. And and green. I mean, I think most of us, when we think of green, we associate it with money. What other thing? (laughs) Well, that's true. But you know what? And to go along
1: with that, growth, abundance. But um, green is also hope and. Um, you know, that's nature. So it's grass and trees and um, vegetation. But I also see it as healing and regenerative and also maybe like the season of spring. And um, maybe just to go on, just to balance it out and say, you know, not everything is all positive. I mean, people can say, oh, I'm green with envy. So it could be envy or jealousy.
0: Right on. Totally. So I want to ask you about um, in the chariot and the high priestess, um you know, the chariot has the black and white figure and the high priestess has the black and white pillars. What can we learn when we see those two colors together like that?
1: Well, black and white are are, are the opposites, So it's the balance of the absolutes. It's like life and death and light and dark and good and evil. It's kind of saying that it all exists here. So it's black, it's white, and it's everything in between
0: hmm. You know, sometimes people I have to tell you years ago, I was in a yoga class, I was yoga teacher training. And the teacher at the time, and I will not mention this person's name, because I do respect them. But uh, I showed up in the classroom and I was wearing all black. And anyhow, uh, he had to go on some lecture about how you should never wear black if you're a yoga teacher that is very negative. And at first I thought, okay, I'm hard of hearing. Maybe I misunderstood this guy. So the next day I came back to class purposely wearing all black just to see if he would say it again. And he said it again. And I thought, huh, I don't see black as a negative color. I see it as something that's very, you know, deep and rich. And so, you know, what do you have to say about that? Well, I have
1: two things to say. First of all, you're speaking to a New Yorker and New Yorker is like the uniform, Uh, excuse me, black is like the uniform of the New Yorker. We all wear black because I have to tell you, the city can be a little bit dirty and sometimes there's a little bit of soot. And I tell you, if you're wearing white, usually when you get home, you're not as white as when you left. (laughs) So anyway, I I disagree. I think that black is an awesome color to wear, but in the world of divination, black is mysterious. Black Mm -hmm. is... It's, a, it's knowledge. It's depth. I feel like it's transformative. Like I think of like the death card or sometimes, I mean, the devil card. There's just like, there's so much there. I feel like I just want to dig deeper. I want to kind of like turn over some rocks and see what's happening there. To me, black is like, whoa, let's go there.
0: Right on. I totally agree 100%. And, you know, I used to live in New York. So, of course, wearing all black, I tend to live in almost everything all black. I think I have a couple like, like today, I'm wearing something with a little bit of yellow on it. Uh, But uh, generally, I wear all black. And so I just thought that was really kind of interesting. So, you know, since we're talking about clothes, let's move on to the clothes, the costumes and some of these figures. Yeah. you know, I, I think, again, things are very deliberately chosen here. One of the things I'd like to ask you about, what does armor say? I mean, we've got, like, our knights are wearing armor. We, we can see that emperor has armor. Um, there's a lot of, even the chariot. What does that tell you in a reading? Well, armor is, first of all, it, it, it shows me
1: strength. It shows me, like, it's going to take a lot to get through this but i mean i feel like like to think about you mentioned the chariot the chariot is also the astrological sign of cancer and cancer is the sign of the crab and and i feel as though cancer are notoriously very sensitive and very um emotional and and sometimes they need to really build walls or else they'll just like Collapse in a heap of emotions all the time. So you need to learn to kind of put up armor, so to speak. Like when that chariot car comes up, I'm like, you have to let things roll off your shoulder. Not everything is personal. So I feel as though when an armored individual comes up, it's um, they're in an unyielding position. Um, they they can't be forgiving for whatever reason. Like if you're a, if you're a, a knight and you're fighting, it's like we got to get in there. So I feel as though it's just a sign of strength. And sometimes it's a facade that we put up because of the position that we've been put in.
0: I totally agree with that. So what about, let's talk about uh, like the gowns. Um, the Empress and the Nine of Pentacles, I think the women in those cards have similar gowns. What do you have to say about that? What do we know about those gowns?
1: Well, first of all, they're beautiful gowns and they, I believe that they both have the sign of Venus that is um, decorating the gown. So aside from the beautiful flowing gown, it is also a very loving and very um, generous type energy. Uh, So, but being gowned is, it's very relaxed. It's a very clear headed way. I feel as though they're informal, but they're also saying, you know, I'm proper, like, it's, a, it's very proper but informal at the same time. Like Both of those women have reached a level that they don't need to prove themselves anymore. They don't need to explain to anyone who they are and where they've been. They're just like, hey, here I am, like my Venus or not, you know?
0: Right on. So, you know, also one of the things that I find really interesting, too, are some of the figures have cloaks. Like, for example, we have our Queen of Cups, and she's got a cloak that has, it almost looks like the waves of the ocean on it. Then we have, you know, the Page of Wands has a orange cloak. And then we have the Five of Cups with that black cloak. I mean, what do we need to know about cloaks?
1: Well, you know what? I feel as though... I'm not sure if one of those are cloaks or one of those are capes. Like I feel as though maybe the queen and the page have a cape, but maybe that Five of Cups has a cloak. Like I feel like also like in the Six of Swords, um, it's a cloaked figure and you can't even see her face that's on the boat. And I feel like cloaks hide things. Like when you're, and, and like in the Five of Cups, it's a card of betrayal. It's a card of feeling abandoned. It's a card of true emotional, you know, hurtness and, and sorrow. And I feel as though maybe he just needs to kind of mourn where he is. So I feel like cloaks are hidden. Like they're trying to hide things. They're trying to protect you almost. Whereas capes, are also protective but a little bit more ornamental in nature like if you like the way that you you saw like you know both the the queen of cups had the decoration on hers and so did i believe that the page of wands has the salamanders on it it's more like fun and it gives you a little bit of a sense of who they are and capes are more like you know i i have this title and um i kind of get a little extra piece of uh clothing you know a cool piece of clothing to kind of show you I feel like they're more fun.
0: Yeah, I got that. Definitely. You know, my husband just bought me this, uh, it's like a poncho cloak. (laughs) It's got a cat (laughs) hat on it with glasses. It's really ridiculous. Uh, I'll probably be wearing it at the next tarot conference. It's just so funny. Um, So, well, that shows my playful side, you know. (laughs) Um, But let's talk about the cowls. The the king of wands and the king of pentacles both have cowls around their necks. So what, what might that say?
1: Well, you know what? Once again, I'm going to tie this in to color. So like when, um, the King of Pentacles, I I feel as, you know, he has this red cowl on and whatever is coming out of his mouth is energetic and and Mm -hmm. full of passion and desire. And he's, he wants to build things in the world. And I feel as though it's kind of like highlighting his throat chakra. It's, It's, highlighting his voice. It's highlighting the fact that he's going to say something that has power and is going to be invigorating and hopefully raise people's attention and call them to action. And, and with the knight of wands, with his green, you know, he's very charismatic and he's looking to kind of like go out and just take on the world. And I feel like it's a, it's a very abundant type energy that's coming off of that cow for him.
0: Mm-hmm. He's also wearing like an orange gown. You know, it's really interesting. Um, Orange to me is such a color of action. But, but I've read that like some fast food restaurants, they, um, they put orange in their decor deliberately to like encourage people to like hurry up, get in and get out. So that really <laughs> does have that energy of taking action. I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, orange is my favorite color.
1: And I, always, I look at orange as joy
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and, and creativity. Like I associate orange with the empress so much. And I, I just, I, it's like an active mind. It's like, let's get going. I have so many great things to create in this world.
0: Right. So this King of Wands with his orange gown and that green cowl, and then he's got that yellow cloak. He really is somebody who is a man of action. He is. So the King of Pentacles has grapes all over his gown. What might that tell us about him?
1: Oh, the Well, the grapes are just like you know, my cup runneth over. I feel like it's like a reference to like wine. Let's just like raise a glass. Like I feel like so his, his crops are just so fortuitous and everything is just in such abundance. I think of um, also how that relates to the nine of pentacles as well. She's got all those, those luscious grapes growing behind her.
0: Totally. So what about, let's, let's talk about shoes. Yes. Now, I think shoe, now I'm not a shoe woman. I think, I've owned, I think I own maybe five pairs of shoes. That's it. Um, I've never been into shoes, but the shoes have meanings, you know? So like, for example, if we look at the boots in the Seven of Swords or the mismatched footwear in the Seven of Wands, what do shoes tell us?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, um, shoes, it, it really depends on if the shoe is very clunky, like the heavier the shoe, the more strength is drawn from the ground so like it's and also the harder the work this person does like like a knight would have like a much heavier boot than the high priestess who wears a slipper kind of thing so the more refined the more um the smaller the footwear the more spiritual so Mm -hmm. um and it's funny like i i was looking I, i very much look at footwear because actually my grandfather owned a shoe store and unlike you teresa I do not own five pairs of shoes. I do not own five pairs of shoes. I own a lot more than that. <laughs> so I do like a good shoe. I'm like a sandal. I like a boot. I like it all. So I am always paying attention to what's happening on people's feet. And um, so the mismatched footwear in the Seven of Wands, it could be a couple of things. Well, first of all, um, you know, Pamela Coleman-Smith created the deck. And she mm-hmm. came from a theater background. So I felt like, you know, um, you know, what's actually happening here in the car? And I feel like, you know, it's kind of like to throw you a little bit like, are you paying attention? Do you see what's happening here? And also um, this guy, he's he's doing it all. Like he's fighting off these other people that are trying to kind of like, you know, compete with him and be better mm-hmm. than him. And it's saying that, I'm wearing a lot of hats here. I'm wearing this shoe and that shoe. I'm, I'm wearing 16 different hats. I'm doing everything, but I'm keeping ahead of the pack. And
0: um, I feel as though it's just saying, I feel like that the mismatch shoe is the sign of the multitasker. Right on. Uh, you know, it's interesting too, you mentioned about slippers and going back to this King of Pentacles, cause I think he's fascinating. He's wearing a little armored boot. What yeah. does that say? I mean, here he is in his fancy gown, but a lot of people probably don't notice that footwear is armor, just like in the emperor. What might that tell us?
1: Yes. Well, you know what? I I do think of the emperor also because I feel like, you know what? These figures did not like show up in life and get crowned to be king. They started somewhere and Mm -hmm. they built themselves up from the ground and especially the emperor. He was a warrior. And I feel as though you can slap a fancy gown on that guy, but don't try to cross him because he will fight like the warrior that he is. So I feel as though this king of pentacles also, he was not always a king. He started somewhere. He was once a page. He was once a knight. And he's, he's climbing up the ranks. And as he is, he's learning how the world works. And now that he's at the top of the food chain, now that he's the king of pentacles, the king of that which you know has value in this world, don't you think he's given an inch? Don't you think he's giving anything up without the
0: clump of that armored foot? on your slippered toe. I love that. And you know, it it makes me think of the in Game of Thrones, the season finale, you know, one of the things I think it was the character Bronn was saying that the people who end up on the throne were all cutthroats at one point. You know, like they were all people who were like hardcore. And at the end, of course, the people who are running the realm are people like Bronn and you know, um, Tyrion. So they were people who, you know, went through some heavy stuff in order to get there. So that's what that made me think of immediately.
1: Survivors.
0: Survivors. So what about belts? We have the magician wearing a snake belt. Yes. What's a belt telling us?
1: Well, the magician's belt is a little bit different because it is the snake. And I feel as though the snake Eating itself, it's like called like the uber, uberus. It's It's got a lot. I'm not that great at pronouncing what that exactly is, but what it is, it's a um, a symbol of regeneration. So this magician is constantly recreating himself. He's constantly like like you know um, like if an octopus were to lose a, a tentacle. Uh, it it would grow another one. And I feel as though it's the same with the magician. So it's just showing that he's like a circle and he is going to constantly be reinventing himself and recreating himself and regenerating himself. He is never going to be diminished. So that's one thing, but belts, belts separate. So um, like a, a lot of times it separates kind of like above from below. So what's below are the sexual parts <laughs> so it kind of is about saying you know you you have two agendas you know it's about you know your head and your heart or is it a more sexual and more primal drawing like how are you being attracted to whatever it is that you're being drawn to mm-hmm. so if you're being drawn to the belt i would i would specifically ask my client like what's happening here are you mm-hmm. experiencing this like through your head and your heart or is there something more primal happening here And if so, we need to figure out what your agenda
0: is to kind of get you to a solution that works for you. I love that. I never thought about that. That's really, really interesting. You always learn something new when you do these podcasts, let me tell you. (laughs) All right. So the other thing is, what about bandages? But uh, we're getting to those hats in a second. But what about bandages? I mean, we've got that guy in the Five of Pentacles, the Nine of Wands is wearing a bandage. You know, again, these things are chosen for a reason. What do bandages tell us? Well, once again, I mean, I feel
1: so like it's funny. Like uh, you showed me the um the five of pentacles, but I think of the bandage of like the nine of wands, mm-hmm. and um it's funny because I've seen a lot of different interpretations of this, and some say no, he's not in, injured at all, and to me, he looks he looks a little beat up, kind of thing, and I feel like it's open to interpretation. So these bandages allow you to see what it is you'd like to see in the situation. I feel as though the bandages you know, back to Pamela Coleman Smith can be a little bit of smoke and mirrors Mm -hmm. because some of these cards that hold these bandages are what we call stage cards. So these stage cards, it's like, well, is what's happening on the card what we think is happening? Or is this just a distraction? So we don't know what's really going on kind of thing. So the bandages I have mixed interpretations of, and I feel as though the surrounding cards are helpful in that regard
0: absolutely they can show how everything's unfolding so now let's get to this this hat subject now I also got yes. a hat person my daughter wears hats my husband wears hats they look fabulous with hats and hats have meaning and you mentioned a couple of hats um like the pentacles and uh, what was it the I think you said the, the two pentacles. pentacles has that funny
1: well a lot yeah. you know what a lot of the there are a lot of hats in the cards but you know just you elaborate on that a bit like there are crowns, there are wreaths, yeah. there are scarves, there are, you know, like, like, I don't know what's going on in that nine of cups card. That's kind of like a, like a little bit of a scarfy hat going on. Like there's a couple of combinations of things. And yeah, the
0: often too. Oh, the hierophant
1: has the triple crown. I mean, and I, I feel as though the more ornamental, the more complex, the headgear, the higher, the agenda of the person wearing it. Like, I mean, look at what the, look at what the high priestess is wearing. It's just like, so, I mean, so appropriate for her, but I don't know that I would be going out walking on the street wearing that kind of thing. But I feel as though, um, the hats describe an agenda. The hats talk about, um, what's going on in your head. And like, like, for example, I think it's the page of Wands. He's got that little red feather. Mm-hmm. So he's got that, and red, once again, is, you know, will, desire, passion. And I look at that little red feather as that little idea that's going to grow. And then all of a sudden in the night of wands, it's this huge orange plume and then it moves on from there. But I feel as though the, each piece of the crown gives you an indication of who this person is and what's happening for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And those- I love hats.
0: Oh, I'm, if you're a shoe person, you're usually a hat person too. <laughs> and, you know, and I also love like the Empress has that crown of stars, which I think yes. really shows her connection to nature and earth and her rulership over, you know, all the, all the heavens. So I love that.
1: Well, Miss astrology herself, that's you. I feel like you you see all the celestial, you see all the stars in her crown. I feel like that's a very much a reference to, um, you know, to her astrological you know, connections as well. Mm-hmm. So like, she's very mystical and very connected, very spiritual. So I love her crown. It's beautiful. Yeah, now that's the kind
0: of crown I would, uh, I would like to have one like that. I got you, girlfriend. I, I- I'd be into <laughs> it. <laughs> Maybe I'd wear that. I'm not a hat person, but I might wear that. So <laughs> anything else that you think we should pay attention to in the cards? I mean, we're talking about color and costume. What's one more tip you'd like to give my listeners?
1: Okay, Teresa, I'm going to go out there with you. Here's the deal. Sometimes in the cards, there's nudity.
0: Yes, we didn't talk about nudity. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> Thank God I'm here to bring out the most important. Oh, it's now, so important. Anyway,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but really, I mean, it's being nudity is, listen, I have nothing to hide. It's very direct, but it's also very intimate at the same time. I feel as though it's saying, I'm not afraid. I'm not ashamed here I am. And I feel as though I've got nothing to fear. And because I have nothing to fear, nothing can stop me. I feel as though the nudity is so empowering. I mean, sometimes people see the star card and they're like, what is going on here? I'm like, she is just in her glory. She's just allowing things to happen as they will. I look at that card as the ultimate optimist, knowing Mm -hmm. that things will happen as they should, that you
0: are exactly in the right place. Absolutely. That is beautiful. And this has been such a rich conversation. I so appreciate you sharing your wisdom. So, Dina, where can people find you? So, if they want to study with you or if they want to get a reading, tell us where, where you are. Where are you on the web?
1: Well, I have my website, which is my name. It's dinaberrin.com and uh, com. I'm also on Instagram. I like to share a little tarot and charm and astrology, whatever kind of comes to me that day. And sometimes it's a little funny joke, you know, if it makes me laugh on Instagram. And I'm also, I have a Facebook page, so you can follow me on Facebook, once again, at Dina Baron Tarot. And I offer classes in um, in the city. I am planning a class for September. I, I've actually, speaking of your yoga, I am pairing with a yoga partner of mine, a, another uh, woman who is a fantastic uh, black wearing yoga diva. Her name is uh, Jamie Lugo. And we do this intuitive yoga workshop. So mm-hmm. tapping into your intuition, we we pair yoga and tarot together. It's an amazing evening. We offer it down at Yoga Shanti in Tribeca. We offered it in the spring. It was a huge hit. We're doing it again. And um, I I do readings all over the city. I do private readings, and I actually have recently started coaching. So if anyone's looking to work with me on either a short or long-term basis, not just for just a reading, that's an option as well. We do some serious, awesome vibrancy and empowerment digging, and you come out a super shining star at the end.
0: Awesome. So people, if you are listening, if you are in the New York area... Definitely hunt Dina down. I think you're going to learn a lot and you're going to get a lot of wonderful, loving support. So, Dina, once again, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Teresa. And people, that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. And remember, you can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, com. I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, the tarot coloring book. Uh, lots of other blog posts, astrological forecasts, and plenty of other good things for you to scope out. Enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day. And hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, I hope you did. Do me a favor, head over to iTunes and leave a positive review because that's going to help more tarot curious people find their way to tarot bites. And as always, I like to close out by saying, Pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.